When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. Pam is the name. Farm speak is the game. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, we got a busy morning on the way. Yesterday, the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation wrapped up their 103rd annual business meeting. Our own Charity Seebecker was there. One of the items they took a look at, raw milk sales, and also what's happening with the farm and industry short course. Stay tuned for the details. We're catching up with our friend John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, where the Dow Jones Industrial Average took a tumble yesterday and brought our commodities down with it. Can we rebound, and why did we fall to begin with? John's going to be joining us with the answers. Weather-wise, Stumacher Ag Meteorologist will have answers a little later this morning. Looks like we've got about a 30% chance of snow showers developing later today. 37 is our expected high. Tomorrow, partly cloudy and 40 degrees. Thursday, some afternoon showers back in the forecast and 39. Friday, a good chance we'll see snow and 36 are expected high. As a dairy farmer, you depend on your milk receiver pump. McFinn Technologies of Kenosha introduces the impressive Bowpeller pump. It's quieter, there's lower maintenance, as the seals last much longer than your old milk receiver pump. It offers a more powerful cleaning cycle with higher velocities, and it doesn't degrade the quality of your milk. Ask your dealer for the Bowpeller milk receiver pump, patented by McFenn Technologies, an American company committed to providing a better product for the dairy industry. You know, we may have a lot of conflict here in the United States, one party to another, worried about urban crime, etc. But we're not waking up with mortar shells going off around our home. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And I'll tell you, every day the situation between the Ukraine and Russia changes, and that in turn changes the world. Bob, I'm so jealous of you. You had a chance to actually visit with a very persistent, very vocal farmer from Ukraine that uh, wants people to better understand not only what agriculture is up against in the Ukraine, but Ukrainian citizens up against as a whole. A very chilling story, Pam, that's for sure. Case Porzinga is a dairy farmer in Ukraine, and he was in the United States recently and had a chance to join us as farm broadcasters in Kansas City here a week or two ago. I'm Bob Bosel from the northern end of the world's longest barn, and I did have a chance to uh, talk to Case one-on-one following his presentation, which uh, was very, very scary as you sit there and think that one human being can do that to other human beings. But I asked Case, our Ukrainian farmer, take me back to February. And did you really think those attacks from Vladimir Putin from Russia were actually going to happen in the Ukraine? I didn't believe it. And a lot of people didn't believe it and it was probably naive and we should have probably listened to the U.S. intelligence and British intelligence, but we didn't. But I don't, I'm not sure if it would have made any difference. And then all of a sudden, the 24th of February, the rockets start flying over your farm. You know, and my wife was on the airport. She was supposed to fly to the Netherlands for a few days. She called me at 4 o'clock in the morning and said, uh, the airplanes don't fly. 
and then I got a message from a friend of mine close to another airport. They said they're starting bombing the airports, the bombs dropping on the airport. And I called my wife again and said, get the heck out of that airport because it's a dangerous place to be, you know. And, and when she drove back to the farm, she saw the bombs left and right of the highway dropping and saw the explosions. And that was really scary. And they dropped those bombs wherever they wanted. They took out lives, they took out buildings, they took out farms, factories, everything. In the beginning especially they were bombing airfields and ammunition depots and there's an ammunition depot close to our farm and I heard a cruise missile flying over our farm hitting that depot. Yeah, so then it gets close, you know, and then I mean I haven't had any war experience like most of the people in Ukraine and you're in panic, you don't know what to do, you, you, you don't really sleep at night, uh, you're in bed three blankets but freezing I mean sweating but freezing you know and sleeping for a few hours a night and um, my wife and my kids they they fled the country uh, to Romania and we had a friend we had friends there taking care of, of them so that was very good but I don't recommend it to anybody yeah. I don't blame you so as far as your farming operation did you get hit with missiles right away and what part of the country are you in are you in the area that was has been hit the hardest by the Russians no luckily not we were very lucky we are in the middle of Ukraine in the middle of nowhere uh, and we had one rocket in our village but it didn't do any damage and nobody was hurt but of course it's scary so now we were more or less able to farm, uh, but but I mean the guys in the front lines and the guys uh, behind in the occupied areas, they, I know farmers who have been uh, captured and tortured and still farmers, I know farmers still missing. So, you know, that's, uh, I mean, that's really, really difficult. What about the farmers that are missing? Is, is Have other people picked up the slack and harvested their crop? I mean, this has been devastating as far as production because Ukraine is one of the major countries to feed the world. The crops from the farmers in the occupied territories, that, that, that crop has been stolen by the Russians or it was destroyed by, by fire, you know, by rockets exploding. So then, uh, then just a ripe uh, field of wheat will just burn and that happened a lot in those areas and what wasn't burned uh, was stolen by the Russians or they, they just paid like 30% of the value uh, and I know uh, a friend of mine who was in occupied Kherson and he had a ripe crop of winterwheat on his field and uh, the Russians would have stolen it but he, he just set it on fire himself because he couldn't harvest it and he didn't want the Russians to have it so uh, how dangerous is it for farmers to be in their fields? There are mines out there. What's the status? It depends on the area you're in. I mean, if there's still territories which were freed, you know, and but there's still mines out there, and it still happens that farmers drive out there with a tractor and drive on a mine and and explode. Another friend of mine who was in the occupied areas, he bought fuel from the Russian soldiers, which they stole from their own tanks. So, but because he had a dairy, he didn't have electricity, so he had to have fuel to run the generators to, to be able to milk the cows. I mean, I can't, I even can't imagine, being in a country at war, I even can't imagine what those people have gone through, you know. What's been the infrastructure situation? You're a dairy farmer yourself. What about the, the creameries? What about processing plants? Uh, have they been destroyed, or is there still some semblance of uh, operations going on? Uh, there's quite a few... 
processing factories which have where which are out of uh, production because they are either too close to the front line or in the occupied areas. Yeah, and those farmers they had to throw their milk away or they gave it away. A lot of farmers gave their milk away to people in the city who were who were in the bomb shelters. Yeah, but also a lot of milk got thrown away. Uh, we were lucky. Our our processing plant is more to the western part of Ukraine, and they never missed a day, and they never missed uh, a day paying. So, uh, and that was good for us. I mean, in this way, we could keep on running our uh, our um, our farm. And you're talking about expanding in the face of this Russian attack. How how are you going to expand, and what do you do for uh, for genetics? What do you do for feed? Yeah, ex expanding our dairy farm and also expanding our vegetable farm uh, because a lot of vegetables are, are grown in the, south, in the south, southern part of Ukraine, which is still occupied. So there's a shortage of vegetables. Those prices have gone through the roof, um, so that's good for our vegetable operation, but it's, it's not really fair towards the people, of course. But we have to come back, you know. We have to build back better or whatever you want to call it. Um, and why not start now? I mean, of course, there's a risk. But, I mean, what do you want to tell? Do you want to sell everything, put the money in your pocket and leave the country? That's also not really fair to do, you know, if you want to protect your country. I mean, there's people fighting in the, in the trenches, which is already primitive. But there's people doing logistics to the army. There's... Uh, people managing the country and, and I mean farmers have to keep on farming we have to eat I mean p war or peace we people have to eat and uh, so expanding means additional jobs additional taxes uh, with which we can pay for our defense so I was going to say your confidence Ukrainian citizen that this is going to end favorably and Ukraine is going to have its freedom you're not going to kowtow to the Russians at all you you're very much and everybody in Russia or everybody in Ukraine is very much against what Putin has done and is doing absolutely I don't think there's anyone in Ukraine who uh, who is not fighting in his own way against uh, against this Russian attack and um, and then that's the only way I mean, you can't give in. If, and as a friend of mine said, you know, better one winter in the dark and in the cold than uh, a whole life on the Russian occupation. And, and that's how it is. And that's how everybody feels it. And that's what everybody's ready to fight for. And, and with the support of, of Europe and the United States, uh, we'll manage. Ukrainian farmers are going to be back in the fields next spring, it sounds like. Absolutely. Uh, how are you going to do that? Because, again, it was a short crop this year because, as you mentioned, some burned their wheat, the Russians stole some of it, uh, bombed it. Where are you going to get seed? Where are you going to get fertilizer? Where are you going to get diesel fuel? How's, how's the situation over there? And what's the morale of farmers? Yeah, the morale is high, and farmers have done a lot to support uh, people in need, to support the army. Of course, the closer you come to the front line, the more difficult it becomes, and you won't be able to plant all the fields there. Uh, but the further you get away, the, le the less risk, of course. All the inputs like fuel, crop protection, um, seeds, that's not so much bulk. You can truck that in from Western Europe by, by, by truck. Fertilizer is going to be a bigger issue. I'm afraid there's going to be a shortage in Ukraine, especially, uh, especially nitrogen in fertilizer has a big influence. Yeah, I'm worried about that. And, uh, we are, with every free dollar we have, we try to buy nitrogen fertilizer to have it in stock, to, to be able to have a good crop for next year. But there's a lot of farmers who don't have this opportunity or this possibility. And, and you've seen this firsthand, obviously, Case. And we'll kind of wrap it up with this. A question you were asked in Kansas City is, 
the perspective that we get from our media of what's been happening over there as far as the bombings and the other things that have been happening to the people, you, your answer kind of surprised me because uh, from what we've seen, we're horrified and, and you say we're not getting a lot of it. No, but it's too, it's too horrible to show, you know, and if you're not used to it, it's, uh, and I wasn't used to it, now I'm used to it, unfortunately, uh, so I can, I can handle. It's, uh, How much damage has, this, has the Russians done as far as bridges, schools, processing plants? Oh, a lot. Uh, 300 bridges, uh, just hit like six and a half thousand kilometers, so that's 5,000 miles of railroads. Um, 40% of the electricity infrastructure is, is damaged or destroyed. 20, what is it, 15, 20,000 miles of roads uh, destroyed, port infrastructure destroyed. So it's, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars needed to rebuild that, st that stuff. But the Ukrainians are determined the Russians will not take over. They won't. They won't. And then, but <laughs> we need your support, you know. We need the support of the United States. We need the support of Europe in, in every possible way, military, financially, inputs, um, uh, mentally, no, the knowledge we need, you know, um, and to build it back better and to, to integrate it into the free world. And, and Ukrainians want to, and just give us the support, we'll fight. You only have to spend some money and some, some guns, mm -hmm. and we'll do the rest. And the Ukrainian people are determined. Ukrainian farmer Keith Huizinga joining us in Kansas City at our National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. Quite a story to tell. I'm Bob Bosold. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You kind of got to look at it from a Ziegler point of view and a customer point of view and get them into the piece of equipment that's going to benefit their operation. Well, we've really come to trust Ziegler, their support staff, their service trucks. We've had them working on our shop and a tractor till 2 in the morning to get it ready for the next day. When they come on your farm, they're going to stay until they get the job done. Ziegler's service allows us to be ready to run whenever we need to, rain or shine. For agriculture equipment, ZieglerAg.com. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural-looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. When it comes to custom jewelry, get to know your Denny's jeweler. The way Denny's works custom is based on emotions and it's based on the clients, what they are feeling and wanting and looking for. And eventually it evolves into this piece of art. I'm Nick Denny. Come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers.
Sure, she'll stop farming when pigs fly. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, yesterday I was uh, preparing for more precipitation around my backyard as far as the weather was concerned. I was also preparing for a little bit more wind. Fortunately, I didn't see either in my backyard on the west side of Madison. But what about the rest of the state? Time to check in with our ag weather update. Stumach joining us this morning. Kind of depended where you were. Yesterday morning you said that southwest Wisconsin was picking up a little bit of snow flurries. Uh, I didn't see much of anything yesterday, but you're you're seeing some stuff this morning, huh? I, I had a little last night, oh, about sundown, uh, the evening hours, if you will, and it left a little crusty cover on my deck and out back here. So in the Fond du Lac area, it came a little bit later, but there's just a little bit of a glaze because of it, a little slick this morning if you haven't been out for a while. That's just about the worst thing there is to talk about in the state this morning because temperatures aren't all that cold. We don't have that really strong wind, and believe it or not, I expect today that most of us will end up with a temperature right about or a degree or two above normal. That's not too terrible in early December, certainly not bad for outdoor activities, the farm work I'm thinking about. But a front has dropped through the state. It was in the northwest part of Wisconsin yesterday. It's down around uh, northeast Illinois into lower Michigan this morning. The radar indicates that's where some activity is. Illinois across Lake Michigan into lower Michigan. There's some snow out in southeast North Dakota. Another weak frontal boundary is edging in. And there is some talk that there could be a little snow near that uh, 151 corridor, the southeast part of Wisconsin, southeast of 151. And that little bit of rain or snow could pop up late this afternoon or into the evening. I don't expect it's going to be much if it does develop. And otherwise, the mild temperatures stick around until we see another rain-snow chance trying to edge on in for a little later Thursday afternoon. I'll have forecast details right after this. When the dairy industry came together for a meeting in Kansas City to talk about modernizing the dairy industry, the Farmers Union was there. Rick Adamski is the Government Relations Director of the Wisconsin Farmers Union on our Farmers Union Minute. Certainly monitored that closely. We had a board member representative present at those meetings. Tina Hinchley and her husband Duane were there. They were able to share as much as they could about the dairy revitalization plan. Similar to our experience at World Dairy Expo, it seems like most of the dairy farm producer members are focusing on federal milk market order reform, and I think there is great need for that. But we think that a separate standalone the item is the uh, dairy revitalization plan where there is some reasonable growth management so as to stem the tide of loss of farms, stabilize price, uh, or reduce the cost of government spending on farm security programs. And we think that the dairy revitalization plan plays a role in that. Rick Adamski on our Wisconsin Farmers Union Minute. All righty, Stu, let's have that forecast. Absolutely. Mostly cloudy skies today for almost all of us. And Madison and to the southeast could see a sprinkle or maybe a snowflake here later this afternoon. Oh, I expect temps in the upper 30s and the east and southeast winds about 5. Mostly cloudy skies around yet tonight. We hold in the mid-20s. Winds become northwest at 5. Partly sunny Wednesday back into the upper 30s. Winds become south at 5. Not really windy. Sounds great. Mostly cloudy Thursday. That chance of a little rain, maybe a snowflake developing afternoon. I'd expect a daytime high in the upper 30s, maybe a 40 in the south. East winds at 5 to 15. Rain or snow could last into Thursday night, Pam, maybe even up to an inch accumulating. And then our temperatures more like normal stick around right into the weekend. So probably not too much to be concerned about as far as uh, driving conditions, you think? 
That's what I think. It'll be a little bit. Yeah, a reminder that December weather's there and the roads change, but that's yeah. about it. Yeah. How far west do we have to go before we really do start seeing snow? Is that stuff they picked up last week in northwest Wisconsin still around? Oh, it's kind of sticking with them, but, you know, it's not with temps even there heading back to above normal. It doesn't stand a good chance either. All right. Good enough. We'll catch up with you tomorrow, buddy. Thanks. You bet. Take care. Stumach is our ag meteorologist with weather details that you're looking for. Don't forget, it's all about details. The details that were discussed yesterday at the uh, Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation's 103rd annual business meeting. Talking about that on the way. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Some things are never really a choice. Like wearing your muddy boots in the house, quitting before the job's done, or buying seed without service. They just don't make sense. That's why AgriGold gives you the best of both worlds. We're big enough to deliver top-tier genetics and traits, but small enough to give you the personalized service you need to thrive. Because like you, we know choosing seed without service isn't really a choice. Need help choosing? Learn more at chooseagrigold.com. Rebath started decades ago by two gentlemen who created acrylic forms to cover existing bathtubs. Today, Rebath is a complete bath remodeling company. We replace existing fixtures and totally upgrade your bathroom. Free in-home consultation, free custom design, an affordable new bath in just days, not weeks. Visit our showroom on Stoughton Road or Rebath.com. Rebath, making it easy to love your bath. You know who tells a great story? Our Tom's Auto Center customers, like Blake, who recently gave us a five-star review. It reads, I appreciated the emailed estimate and text message communication about the repairs. Thanks, Blake. Schedule your appointment, tomsautocenter.com. We'll make sure you get five-star service. Tom's Auto Center. We're the getter, fix, getter, done to get you going, guys. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. We're going where I've never gone before, Agricultural Wonders of Iceland. I'm Pam Yonke, inviting you to join us on our next agriculture adventure, March 11th through the 17th. Discover Iceland's best-known national treasures and indulge in its agricultural delights. We'll tour the Golden Circle Pack Geothermal Wonders and Majestic Waterfalls. We'll make a stop at the world-famous Blue Lagoon for a relaxing day at this natural spa. Part of our agricultural highlights include a stop at a historic sheep farm to enjoy a scrumptious lunch from ingredients produced right there on the farm in the surrounding areas. And of course, at night, we'll search the night sky for the breathtaking Aurora Borealis. Visit HolidayVacations.com, keyword PAM, to learn more about this tour and watch a travel show. Or call 888-557-1020 for a free brochure. That's 888 888- 557-1020 for that brochure. You would never overpay for something if you knew you could get the product for much less elsewhere. Much like you wouldn't pay $6 a gallon for gas if the pump down the street was charging the fair market price 
of $4, would you? So why pay more than MSRP on your next Chevy truck? Bergstrom Chevrolet is a local, family-owned company that values your dollar as much as you do, so you never pay above manufacturer's suggested retail price. And Bergstrom has the inventory to fill your fleet or fix you up with the truck that's going to pull your toys. So go ahead, shop around, and compare that final cost. If the guys down the street are blowing smoke up your tailpipe, jacking up the price on their Chevy trucks stop by bergstrom chevrolet where you never get charged over msrp is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone you are not alone a skincare minute with skincare expert michelle neeson Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Because of you, someone gets to go home instead of working a double. Because of you, call lights will be answered a little bit faster. Because you are the Bright Star in that facility. Bright Star Medical Staffing is looking for caregivers and nurses. Bright Star believes providing the highest quality temporary staff means better care. It's the reason you got into healthcare in the first place. Be the Bright Star in someone's life. Work with Bright Star. Apply today at brightstarjobs.com. Matt Arnold, the new uh, president of baseball operations for the Milwaukee Brewers. Colton Wong, now off to Seattle for Jesse Winker and Abraham Toro. Now, Rowdy called this, Rowdy, you called this move out as soon as they what? Well, I mean, Colton Wong was a guy that he was very realistic. If you were going to give Bryce Terang a real shot at the big leagues this year, it was realistic that he'd move them. Also, $10 million on this uh, Milwaukee team is also very inducive for a trade. You like this move, Andrew? You, genius? I, 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 I think it's a good move for them. I mean, they, Rowdy said it best. You know, they didn't get worse with that trade. Um, they, they addressed a glaring need, and they needed they needed some power, some consistent power in that lineup. Um, and they think they got it in Jesse Winker. You know, never, he had a bad year last year. Uh, he was dealing with some injuries. He had some neck issues. He had some knee issues. Um, and his numbers did quite a bit from what you were used to seeing with Cincinnati. But, you know, this guy was a brewer killer. Absolutely rakes at Miller Park. Um, you know, hit the cover off the ball with Cincinnati for four years. Um, left-handed pop. Definitely need it. Not a very good outfielder, but that's fine because you could stick him in there at DH. Um, and let him swing away and, and still get some of your young guys up from the minor league system to cover the outfield. And like you said, opens the door for Bryce Terang. They, they had to get him up here. You know, Terang is Terang's ready to go. Uh, and they're confident up between Terang and Urias. They can cover second base uh, as best they can. Um, and, and, and they save some money that they can put towards 
paying Burns and paying Woodruff and paying Adamus and paying Telez and paying those other guys that they think are their core. Yeah, I would say overall that I think worst case scenario from this move, because I thought it was a thumbs up as well, is it's basically a lateral move. But when you look at if you look at the upside to this move, yeah, Jesse Winker can come in and and play outfield and he kind of gives you a little bit of of a hedge because you have so many young kids in that minor league system that really don't have a ton of experience in the big leagues like Garrett Mitchell looks nice but we don't really know if he he can really play a full season in the big leagues. Same with Ruiz. And obviously Freelick and Weimer and Cheerio have never played one, had never had one at bat in the big leagues. So it's a little bit of a hedge for maybe some of those younger players not necessarily being ready. And then at the same time, like you said, we know that his left-handed bat will play up at American Family Field. We know that he already swings a bat well in the stadium. We know that he's going to hit in great American ballpark. And, I mean, you're you're kind of buying low here on a player that had some really good seasons in Cincinnati but uh, had a down year in Seattle. And, like you said, they saved a little bit of money and they picked up another guy that's versatile, was a prospect that hasn't really hit at the big league level. But if he does, bonus. Absolutely, it's it's a cold day in hell when Rowdy and Wagner are the are the are the voices of reason in, in morning sports talk radio. Well, it is pretty cold out, so I mean, we might live in hell. Yeah. So I mean, that could be happening. You know what, this, this, was the, this was what Doug Melvin called it. This was a baseball trade. You don't see these very often anymore, um, where it's two teams that had needs um, and had surplus made a deal from their surplus to address needs. You know, it's usually you see blockbusters where it's, it's a star walk player being traded for a handful of prospects. You don't see a lot of trades like this anymore where it's, where it's need for a need. Um, The the, the Mariners desperately need a second baseman, uh, a veteran guy. They need to shore up their defense. They found that in Colton Wong, uh, they had a surplus of, of outfield guys, of slugging guys. They made that deal. It works out for both sides. Well, right? I just think, like, we we're – I mentioned the hedge for the young outfielders. It's kind of the what they did with Bryce Terang when they went out and actually grabbed Colton Wong. They traded for Adamas because, in, re, in reality – Bryce Terang was getting close to the big leagues two years ago where he played, what, a small portion of the season in AAA but was was playing pretty well in the lower levels of, of minor league baseball. And it was like last season they wanted to give him one full year at AAA just to make sure that he was ready. Yep. Now they carved an opening up for him uh, this year. That's probably the same thing that they want to do with the Joey Weemers, the Sal Freelicks, make sure that those two guys, or even Jackson Cheerio as he continues, continues to uh, project through the minor league system, give those two, maybe three guys at least one full year in AAA before they bring them up. An industry that feeds the world is definitely an industry worth talking about. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. And they were definitely talking about that industry yesterday as the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation wrapped up their 103rd annual meeting in Wisconsin Dells. Charity Seebecker was there to catch up with some of the policies that were adopted. Stick around for those details. John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, is joining us live in about 15 minutes as well. We're looking for snow showers developing later this afternoon. 37 are expected high, partly sunny tomorrow and 40 degrees. So today is Tuesday, 
the 6th of December. What can I tell you about this date? Let's see. On this day back in 1967, the world's first pediatric heart transplant happened. Three days after the first heart transplant in the world happened in South Africa, a team of surgeons performed their first heart transplant and the world's first pediatric heart transplant here in the United States, actually out in Brooklyn. That happened on this day back in 1967. On this day in 1995, Michael Jackson collapsed while rehearsing for an HBO special. That's just a couple of the items that happened on this day in history. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the history that they made during the 103rd Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation's annual business meeting, which wrapped up yesterday. Charity Seebecker was there to visit with Dave Daniels. Dave is a dairy producer himself from Union Grove. He also is the vice president of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation, and he explains some of the high-priority items that uh, business meeting members wanted to discuss and adopt. In the dairy section, we know that the negative PPWs were always uh, something that farmers were trying to fix. So uh, some of the stuff that we talked about, depooling and that kind of thing within federal milk marketing orders. As far as the raw milk issue, that one passed. Did that surprise you at all? Uh, that did surprise me because uh, they talked about the standards, but then they also discussed on how it could be a black eye for the dairy industry, which we've heard in previous years. Yeah. Again, there was support for education, especially education that is going to bring in students from high schools that would go on to more education in production agriculture. Uh, so one of the proposals is that we have a task force or meet with the people that have some uh, task force already in place to help uh, bring those educational sources back for our, our students that want to continue that education. Another thing is when we were talking about extension, uh, there's a lot of challenges out there with extension and how they're looking at uh, trying to uh, develop their educators in certain areas. The policy that we adopted is to have one or two counties only that would have its educators rather than stretched across four counties. So I think that's uh, something that we have to talk to Extension at UW-Madison about that. Uh, EMS was one of the other things that was pertinent on the rural areas and so there's language within those policies that were adopted uh, that talk about uh, testing for rural uh, people also working with rural municipalities on trying to make sure we have good health care and emergency services throughout the uh, rural area. What was the feedback or discussion on those first few topics that you talked about? What was the needs that these members brought forward to create these adoptions into the policy? Well, the needs uh, for the, on the education side uh, was uh, something like the, our farm and industry short course and going virtual this year. Our delegates would like to see something more robust in that we have a task force and we have farmers participating with that task force to find out what they would like to have out in the education sector for improving people that want to go from high school, get more some education, and then come back to production agriculture. On the rural emergency services, that's just a need for it because the volunteer uh, fire departments and EMS services are being strapped because they don't have the volunteers. Uh, and 
similarly, it's the funding and the testing process that is all involved in that. Dave Daniels, vice president of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation, a dairy producer himself from Union Grove, visiting with our own charity, Seebecker, right after their business discussion had concluded. Now, we've got all of their platforms up on our website now, MidwestFarmReport.com. One item that was a bit of a surprise, talking about giving consumers access to the sale of raw milk only if the farm met grade A requirements and national standards. Some of the other broader items that were discussed and adopted during the Farm Bureau's annual business meeting included taking a look at climate change and some of the federal monies that are being put into climate change research as well as climate change practices. Daniels said it was the feeling of the delegates that if agriculture is going to be held largely responsible for making some of these critical decisions, critical moves, then they also should receive the lion's share of the financial support to make those moves. Like I said, all the policies discussed and adopted up on our website now, MidwestFarmReport.com. As a dairy farmer, you depend on your milk receiver pump. McFinn Technologies of Kenosha introduces the impressive Bowpeller pump. It's quieter, there's lower maintenance, as the seals last much longer than your old milk receiver pump. It offers a more powerful cleaning cycle with higher velocities, and it doesn't degrade the quality of your milk. Ask your dealer for the Bowpeller milk receiver pump, patented by McFinn Technologies, an American company committed to providing a better product for the dairy industry. My name is Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. It seems like it never fails. I get a customer turned online and their solar is producing. And sure enough, that next month I get a text or an email from that customer or they call into the office even or even come in. They want to show us their bill and say, look, zero dollars. It's always super exciting to be able to be part of that and have that joy and excitement with a customer. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com and start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. Boy, we have got a healthy class of exceptional young farmers that are going to be participating in the 69th Wisconsin Outstanding Young Farmer Awards Weekend coming up about that third week of January in Manitowoc. The finalists include Brian and Maria Branick from Crivets, Adam and Melissa Bauman from Marathon, Brady and Lindsay Broadlow from Helenville, Michael and Courtney Gutschreiter from Oconomowoc, Mark and Vanna Lightfoos from Two Rivers, Travis and Melissa Marty from Vesper, Dustin Schultz from Eau Claire, Brody and Carol, Carolyn Staple from Cedar Grove, and then Tristan and Megan Schwartz from Gilman. And I apologize if I murdered anybody's last name, but the bottom line is we've got nine exceptional young farmers that are going to be involved in the 69th Wisconsin Outstanding Young Farmer Awards Weekend at the Holiday Inn in Manitowoc, Coming up that third week of January, they will also have their annual Speak Up for Agriculture campaign that's held during that weekend and awarded during the Saturday evening finale. We'll keep you posted on all the details there. Market details. What can I tell you this morning? The market's just trying to gain back what they lost yesterday. Dow Jones Industrial Average, at least right now, Trading in the positive. December corn, make that March corn's up two and a half, 643. January beans right now are up 11 at 1449. March wheat is down a penny, still at 737 a bushel. 
In the dairy complex yesterday in Chicago, barrel cheese gained a nickel to 194 and three quarters. 40 pound block cheese, that was down two at 208. Double A butter stayed unchanged at 290 a pound. Now, the fluid milk contracts, they are currently, uh, well, January closed a penny lower at 1999 a hundredweight. February milk closed 17 cents lower, 1972 a hundredweight. Give you a little sense of direction as far as the. Uh, Beef markets are concerned. In the equity sales barn locations over the weekend, finished beef steers were ranging 125 to 147 a pound. The Holstein steers, 83 to 133 a pound. Cows were selling 45 to 68 cents a pound. Holstein bull calves over the weekend were ranging about $180 and down on the bull calves. The heifers were at $35 and down. That's for the whole animal. And the beef cross calves, $340 per animal and down. Just give you a benchmark as far as the cattle market is concerned. Well, tell you what, cattle market is really heating up when it comes to demand from China. Yes, China. There was a time when the beef opportunities there seemed very limited. But now, as more and more Chinese consumers are kind of looking for a better quality of life, that includes beef. And according to the folks from the U.S. Meat Export Federation, if China continues to lift the restrictions put on them by the pandemic, we could see beef consumption go up even more. Joel Haggard is the senior vice president for the Asia-Pacific region of the U.S. Meat Export Federation, and he says beef consumption in China is continuing to grow. The beef consumption per household is really rising very fast. 20 years ago, beef was kind of a novelty. It was kind of a luxury. But now I I think it's starting to be integrated into the daily diet. 10 years ago, people went out to eat beef. Now they're cooking it at home. So I think beef consumption is going to rise. They have limited capabilities to increase production there in China. So imports could really fill more of a prominent role there. Joel Haggard with U.S. Meat Export Federation. He said one thing you have to understand is that in China, food delivery and how they managed to keep food service going has gotten very sophisticated throughout the pandemic. He said that they have actually grown their supply chains for e-commerce by building out beyond big cities and now extending those services to fourth and fifth tier towns. Beef consumption in China on the rise. Well, our market's on the rise for a Tuesday. We'll catch up with John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Sometimes people think we're the bathroom remodeling place that just covers up your old stuff. It's how Rebath got its start 40 years ago. But just as technology has improved since dial phones, we've grown to become a total bathroom remodeling company. Free in-home consultation, free custom design, an affordable new bath in just days, not weeks. Visit our showroom on Stoughton Road or Rebath.com. Rebath, making it easy to love your bath. How is it that we can have smokers lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age related fat loss. The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, 
A neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. When, when it comes to the markets, especially at this time of the year, towards the end of the calendar year, a lot of pay, places and people trying to close their books, things can get crazy quick. Then you add in the world marketplace and what's happening out there. Let's talk to John Heinberg, market advisor, Total Farm Marketing in West Bend, along with us live this morning. I thought about you yesterday. You know, you see the Dow Jones Industrial Average taking an absolute nosedive. Commodities came along with it. Just a quick recap on what happened yesterday, John. Well, it might have been more tied to the energy markets and, and what was also just kind of happening in terms of the news front. Wall Street Journal came out with an article. One reporter was assuming that they made the prediction that the Fed was going to take interest rates to 5% on their total raise. Everybody in the market's thinking four or four and a half overall you know, as they go through this process. So that kind of sent the stock market into scare mode and sent the dollar higher, thinking that, again, the Fed's going to continue to stay aggressive, rise, raising interest rates going into 2023. On top of that, too, we are also starting to deal with what's going on in the crude oil market. Over the weekend, OPEC Plus decided to stay with their 2 million barrel per day production cuts, which the market pretty much had anticipated. But then the, the, the caps came in against the Russian crude oil as well as import sanctions. Now, the market is just trying to figure out what to do with those uh, in that stage. So we saw crude oil start the day strong. You know, when everything started falling apart, it rolled over aggressively and we're back now retesting the lows. And that just rippled effect across all the commodity space in general yesterday, especially in the grain markets, you know, which was already falling through on a difficult week last week after we got that EPA numbers regarding the expansion of biodiesel. All right. Let's keep with the biodiesel theme, because there's been also inroads and some positive headlines about the possibility that even big oil will start to put their arms around E15 nationwide. People have to understand, although you may see it in Wisconsin, there are many, many regions of the United States where E15 is not an option. Any good news there? Well, again, just that talk alone, I found those articles very interesting. They've fought this tooth and nail here for the longest time, and maybe they're finally starting to realize that, you know, hey, we can step into this sector and use it as an investment tool for themselves and the oil companies. You know, so that's going to be something we need to watch. I know that was something that President Trump was trying to push. It didn't quite come all the way through. We did need, this, you know, President Biden with his green initiative. Hopefully that can get this pushed through. You know, right now with the global competition starting to pick up the way it is on the, in terms of production with 
what's going on in South America, what's going on in Europe and things of that nature in terms of producing grain. You know, we need more sources for demand and domestic sources are the best. You know, that was the disappointing thing with the EPA numbers last week. This country has invested heavily into biodiesel and soybean crushing plants. We've got a lot of capacity coming online over the next year or so here. And all of a sudden, the numbers come out from EPA just didn't show the expansion that the market wanted. And the money just ran away from the soybean oil market aggressively. We're down almost you know, nine, or nine, 3 or 4% here quickly on the first day of that trade. And that just weighed across the grain complex in general. So we need to see some positive news on the domestic side just beyond feed usage and what we already have. You mentioned about uh, ready-to-go biodiesel facilities. Does this kind of a market turn mean that they literally could stop in their tracks from even possibly opening? Most likely not. Again, those are federal mandates. We did see some expansion. It just wasn't as aggressive as the market was hoping to. But a lot of those mandates are going to be run at the state level. And the usage of biodiesel is going to get used more from that, the smaller levels or the state level. So we'll We'll still see the production. Those crushing plants are still going to come online and that that demand is going to be there, which we need considering how much we're seeing in production of South American beans grow. You know, our, our export competition is going to get cut down, but we've seen it in the USDA reports. The USDA continues to bump the crush levels up for forecasting for that stronger demand at that point, while the export side of it just seems to be a little bit on the weaker side, at least again this year. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, some of the, you know, outside markets that we're paying attention to now this morning. Uh, I also noticed the Dow Jones trying to turn things around, come back up. Have we gotten any news overnight, John, that's going going to calm some of the fears on that oil prices? Uh, I mean, and then all of a sudden people think oil, then they start energy in general uh, with temperatures getting colder. What do you see in there? You know, again, the, the charts fell apart a little bit yesterday. We'll probably continue to see some selling pressure so far today. Again, the crude oil is down another dollar barrel down the overnight trade. Again, retesting that low, that would, would look like a pretty significant turn here last week. So we'll have to see if that can hold. Um, or again, do we break it to new lows here? Uh, usually when we start getting oil falling apart, that's when the talk of production cuts come in and we're trying to stabilize the oil price on the global scale. So we'll, you know, the sub 70 level seems pretty difficult here unless the money wants to push it that way. You know, other than that, you know, again, we're we're at a stage here, too. There's going to be a concern with winter weather. So far, things are off to a fairly mild start across most of the country as well as globally that we're, we're not seeing that demand that's there. There's just a lot of questions in the energy market right now. You just don't know where we're going to be. The impact of the Russian sanctions, the impact of the lack of supply from Russia into the global place. It's just a tough area to gauge right now because, uh, you know, we can see changes extremely quickly. Expectations are for prices to continue to climb as we move into the spring. That's just what the market's been setting up for, even though we're dealing with some weakness right now. Yeah, right. Temporary, I'm sure. John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, joining us this morning. Always like to remind you that if you want to talk more about these issues with John, he loves to visit with you. Absolutely complimentary, no charge there. Pick up the phone and call them 800 334 9779. That's 800 334 9779. Their website, totalfarmmarketing.com, or you can send him an email, John H at totalfarmmarketing.com. All right, buddy, we'll pick you up next week and see if anything changes, okay? Sounds good. Have a great week. Excellent. John Heinberg, again, joining us live from West Bend this morning to let you know what's going on as far as these markets. And like he said, so much uncertainty, so many questions that are yet to be answered that could influence your markets today and next.